everybody, and welcome to the Android Central Podcast. This is a special edition of the AC Podcast because it is Android Wear 2.0 week. So we are recording this on the day that the embargo lifts for two very cool devices plus Android Wear 2.0 is finally officially official. So this week we have two people who spent a whole lot of time with those two products, Android Wear plus the two watches. I have Android, I have Android, I have Andrew Martinick. How are you? I am... I am still an Andrew, not an Android, and I'm doing extremely well. I feel like I'm becoming part Android with this little computer on my wrist. Exactly. Well, it, it happens to be that there is a running joke, cough, Jerry, cough, who couldn't be here, that uh, you are Android Martinick uh, because <laughs> you live and breathe Android all day, every day. Yes. And uh, somebody who, when he's not immersed in the world of Oculus Vive, Daydream and other VR headsets. Russell Hawley is also engrossed in Android. How are you, man? Hello, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a good awesome. week. Good, yeah. You've been working hard. Both of you have spent many hours on Android Wear 2.0, so we're not going to waste any more time. Let's talk about these two new watches, the LG Watch Sport and the LG Watch Style and the software that they run on Android Wear 2.0. So we'll start with you, Russell, because you did the overall review of Android Wear 2.0. Uh, it's the the latest and greatest running on the Huawei watch. So in a few sentences, what is new and improved in AW 2.0? Uh, so uh, it, there's a ton of things. The The general user interface has been changed. So, uh, you know, things are in, are in different places uh, as you go to push buttons and navigate throughout things. Apps now live directly on the watch instead of uh, instead of existing as kind of mirrors of what you see on your phone. And uh, there's a whole lot of uh, scrolling in the user <laughs> interface now. <laughs> like everything is long lists of things uh, due largely to the, the new hardware uh, that, that has these, these crowns that rotate so that, you can, uh, so that you can navigate instead of using your fingers to swipe. But if you have an existing Android Wear watch... Uh, you, you're going to find there's a there's a ton of swiping in in Android Wear 2.0 that didn't used to be there. So before we get into that new hardware, let's just talk about the the major kind of changes to the way that the interface is, I guess, stacked. So in Android Wear one and up until 1.4, which was the 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 next latest release, everything was sort of very clearly in a hierarchy. You it, there it, it was almost like a a stack of cards and you would swipe up or down to go through the cards and then left or right to, I guess, access the content within the cards. And you're saying that that has significantly changed since uh, with Android Wear 2.0. Will the average, say, Huawei Watch user or Moto 360 user find it difficult to adjust to the new interface? I mean, the, the biggest thing that is going to be a challenge is remembering that uh, swiping uh, to, to the left or to the right on the watch face itself is not going to take you to the next set of menus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, previously with Android Wear, you had, you know, the, the first set of menus, you know, every, it was basically like three columns and everything was organized into these three columns. So you had the, the first column, which was uh, kind of quick actions and access to Google Now and, and then your notifications uh, and then your, your contacts and then uh, applications and settings. 
And at some point, Google reversed those so that your applications and settings were were first and then your contacts came after. Um, but none of that is is there anymore. It's, it's all completely hidden behind uh, button presses. Uh, so now if you want to access your applications, it's actually a, a press of the physical button, uh, you know, the, the crown or, or however it has set up, uh, you know, because all Android Wear watches have at least that one single button. And, and they, so you, they call it a power button, which is weird because now it's a core part. It's a home button slash app button. So it's kind of right. funky that they call it the power button. It doesn't really explain what it does. Yeah, it really doesn't. And you don't really reboot your watch a lot. So you're not <laughs> you don't really use it as a power button as frequently as you do for all of these other things. But uh, yeah, it's it's the app launcher. Basically, you, you press that to, to jump into the app launcher. You, uh, you know, you you press and hold to access uh, Google Assistant. And what that actually takes away from the original uh, implementation of Android Wear uh, is you no longer have those quick button presses for uh, completely hiding everything that's on your display or jumping the brightness on the display all the way to max. Uh, okay. those, are, those are now uh, moved into this kind of quick settings drawer that, that pulls down uh, really just like the notification shade on your phone. And just like the Gear S3, I might note, or Gear S2, Gear S3. They yeah. do the same kind of thing where you swipe down and you get a, um, let's see, you get, well, on the LG Watch Sport, you have airplane mode. Well, I think it's probably on all. You get airplane mode, a speaker button, and then a do not disturb, um, a theater mode and settings. Right. So, obviously, a lot of changes and any watch, you know, made in the last year or so will definitely be upgraded to 2.0. Most likely, the if you have an original Android Wear device, such as the LG G Watch R, uh, you know, some of them released in late 2014 will get upgraded. But generally, the, the first generation watches will not. So if you're sporting like the original LG G watch or the original Moto 360, that's going to be uh, left with uh, the current version. But there are a lot of current devices that are getting upgraded. But this is really coinciding with two big hardware releases. And Andrew, Andrew uh, played with the bigger one uh, of the two, the LG watch sport. So let's talk about that before we get into the other one. What is this watch and why is it interesting? I mean, it it really feels like the LG Watch Sport, which by the way, just this naming convention is kind of just terrible, but it just makes it hard to talk about it because you say the Watch Sport, which is weird, <laughs> but it feels like a, a nice continuation of previous Android Wear watches that were, you know, big and full of features and not really suited for most people you know, most people's wrists. It's very similar to a, um, a Huawei watch or a Moto 360, uh, gen two, or, you know, I mean, it looks very similar to the LG watch or Bane as well in terms of size, you know, it's, it's a thick watch with a big dial and a, you know, 1.4 inch circular display. And it crams in all these features where it has LTE, GPS, NFC for Android pay, um, it uh, has a, a nice heart rate monitor, but you know, again, it, it weighs some, you know, it, it's hefty. It has integrated bands to include all these radios, and uh, it's like 14 and a half millimeters thick, which is kind of insane for, I mean, I have large wrists and, you know, it feels pretty comfortable, but, you know, it's thick enough that you can't fit a shirt sleeve over it 
you know, or even a, a sweater sleeve over it. So um, it very much feels like this is a good platform to show off everything Android Wear can do, but maybe they don't expect all of the hardware partners to make a watch that looks exactly like this with all of these features in one, you know, one package. Okay, so it clearly uh, comes straight from Google because LG writes on the box designed or what is it created with our friends from Google? Yes. Yeah, so this is a watch that has like uh, Nexus devices in the past, I guess, been designed and, and created by LG, but it's been influenced by Google. Uh, it's circular, and there's no flat tire, right? But it still has ambient brightness, which is awesome. Finally, and the, we finally got there. Yes. <laughs> how the how little, does that happen, by the way? Where is the ambient light sensor? It, well, so there's still a bezel around the the screen. Uh, you know, an actual not the the physical metal bezel but the part of the screen panel itself still has a little black strip around the outside so they're capable of fitting um a sensor in there well i i I mean i i think i read that it's inside the screen itself that it's actually embedded underneath the poled display and my guess is that because the screen is so thin um, thanks to LG's very, very high-quality plastic OLED panel, that you can now fit a light sensor within the screen itself. So I'm guessing any future Android Wear devices will have will will not have a flat tire, which is really nice to see. It seems like something that they've they've finally figured out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, it's so. I mean, we'll talk about the LG Watch style a little bit later, but so even in that watch, which has uh, a way thinner profile and a 1.2 inch circular screen, they do the same thing. They still get ambient brightness in it without a flat tire. So there's going to be little, there's going to be little uh, reason to have, you know, to not have that feature when, you know, LG obviously great with displays and hardware, but they were able to do it. So let's talk a little bit about the buttons because the the watch sport has three of them and one of them actually rotates. So Russell, you said that Android Wear 2.0 now has a lot of rotation. It, it relies on a lot of um, you know swiping and and scrolling. So this button is also going to double as a essentially an interface method. Yeah, or an input yeah, method. It, it's it's you know it's going to be you know the the way that you scroll for uh, you know a bunch of things and uh, Andrew pointed out uh, during a conversation that we had uh, pretty recently that it's it's not limited to uh, you know just navigation uh, if you're using Google Maps it actually zooms in and out of specific places that you've uh, you've you know tracked over with your finger when you're you're kind of looking down at the map which is awesome. Uh, and, and it's set up so that, you know, developers can really kind of move this around and, and use that kind of rotation mechanism for whatever they want. Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, Russell mentioned all the extra scrolling that's required in Android Wear because uh, 2.0 because it's it's a very vertical hierarchy rather than this left-right hierarchy where, you know, you're swiping back and forth. Um, 
I didn't even really think about how much scrolling there is because I was uh, experiencing it on the watch sport that has this crown where it's so easy to just give it a little flick and you can dry through a couple dozen apps in your app drawer, you know, without doing this flick, flick, flick up, you know, trying to scroll. And the, the, so I really like the crown simply because even on a big, you know, this is a big quote unquote screen at 1.4 inches. It's still so easy to cover up what you're trying to navigate while you're swiping. And it's much easier to just grab the crown. You know, you don't even have to use two fingers. You can just kind of roll your finger across the top and scroll through notifications, scroll through an app or whatever. My only frustration with it, as Russell was saying, that it can be used by app developers any way they want so that means until they implement it some apps just won't use it at all so you'll have an app even like android pay on the watch style where you turn the crown in nothing or sport rather sorry and it doesn't do anything so that's kind of frustrating because until app developers update for 2.0 the crown won't do anything it doesn't fall back to um translating to a touch it it's sitting there waiting for a developer to say i want it to zoom i want it to scroll i want it to change the colors of this watch face or whatever they can do whatever they want with it uh, but it's only once they implement it right so uh, it's got parallels to a lot of the way that when say google releases a new version of android they release a bunch of apis that mm-hmm. developers will then choose or choose not to implement in their in their apps but it also comes with a lot of hardware support so for example when android 6.0 marshmallow integrated a fingerprint api obviously only devices with fingerprints could support it so uh, fingerprint sensors could support it and it took a while f- but now practically every phone from $100 to $700 has a fingerprint sensor. And most apps that you can think of that would need support for that API have it. But there's this awkward transition period, right, that we're currently going to live in for, I don't know, six months, a year, where developers will choose whether they not whether or not to overhaul their Android Wear apps. And I think that, well, so before we move on from the software, I think that that's an important point here because not only do we have little things like the crown or whatever, you know, little interaction paradigms, there are big changes to the way the apps work on the watches and that they install as separate apps. So when you install a watch, uh, an app on your phone that you know, can talk to an Android Wear version, it doesn't automatically sideload that kind of sidecar app on your watch. You have to go into the Play Store and it'll suggest that you download the companion app associated to an app that you have on your phone. So when I install my password manager NPass, I go into the Play Store and it says, watch you know, apps for your watch from your phone. And you scroll there and you can hit tap, tap, tap and download all of them. But... Mm. This is where things kind of go a little downhill, in my opinion. <laughs> right. Yeah, so so uh, before, before you lay it out, Russell, I think that the thing to note from my perspective, the, the upside here is that I don't want a bunch of apps on my watch. I want these basic functions. I want, you know, watch faces, notifications for the most part, you know, maybe a little Google Assistant, weather text messages, you know, something like that. And this means that 
when I have a hundred apps installed on my phone, it doesn't just automatically put yeah. you know thirty or forty apps on my watch. And that is good. I mean that the the whole auto sidecar population thing was was tedious if you just had a ton of apps on your phone. Right. So Russell, of the apps that you've used so far, which ones show promise and which ones kind of fall down, and and why? Really, it just uh, it it just goes back to kind of the staples, uh, you know, the the things that I use on a on a regular basis that I was kind of already using on my watch. They're just a little more featureful, um, you know, having Google Keep. Uh, available on my watch and not even needing to install it on my phone is actually really kind of nice because I use Google Keep on my desktop all the time, but I I almost never use it on my phone. Uh, I you know, but having it on my watch uh, was really convenient for checking off like to do lists or uh, you know just kind of looking through things as I was uh, shopping or if I was uh, you know kind of looking through a, a quick list of events throughout the day. Uh, and, and the same goes for, uh, you know, keeping a schedule on my wrist or uh, um, uh, Google Maps, you know, where if I'm if I'm walking, if I need walking directions for, for something, it's just generally more convenient. So it, you know, for me, there hasn't been any standalone apps that have been, you know, kind of revelatory because they were, you know, better on the watch. They were, you know, watch apps that I was already using that meant I didn't have to do anything at all on my phone, uh, which, which is really like the, the larger design here is, is, you know, the, the watch sport is a, a cellular watch. And, and this, you know, this is the closest that Google has gotten that really anybody has gotten in my opinion to, to really be able to leave the phone at home and and not feel like you're missing something by having just the watch. Yeah. So Andrew, what mm-hmm. does this mean then for the future of Android Wear? If Google and LG's flagship Android Wear device is essentially a phone on your wrist, it has an NFC radio, it has mm-hmm. LTE capabilities, and it really doesn't need to have a phone connected to it. Well, so the interesting thing for me is it, it makes two different groups of people happy. It makes the power user people happy. A lot of the people that were considering the Gear S3 Frontier LTE uh, that you know wanted this kind of full standalone thing. But even with how weak the Android Wear app offerings are, they're still miles ahead of the Tizen app uh, ecosystem for the Gear S3. So this makes those people happy that it... You know, they want to go, you take this watch, they can go on a walk or a run where they can, you know, stream music to the watch and then to Bluetooth headphones. If a call comes in, they can take it. If a Hangouts message comes in, they could do a quick reply. You know, they can do those sorts of things. I don't think that's a large group of people, but, you know, it's for them. The other group that, you know, Google obviously didn't emphasize much to us as a uh, writers for an android website is the fact that it it's going to work better with ios now because you can install you can go to the play.google.com on your web browser and click install on apps and install apps directly to the watch uh something that you couldn't do on the iphone because you can't have an app store uh app that downloads other apps on the on that um I guess the Apple App Store. Jeez, confusing. Yo, dog, I got some apps for your apps. <laughs> yeah, how would you like some, download some apps inside your apps, inside your apps? But so that's where 
it's a little confusing on the Android side because you're like, why do I need this? It has a perfect notification mirror. Even when you're not connected over Bluetooth, it can do a notification mirror over Wi-Fi and you know things like that. But on iOS, you don't have that luxury. So it could be something where, you know, like uh, Russell was saying, you, you can have Google Keep installed on your watch or Android Pay or whatever, and you you don't have to go through this this part of installing the app additionally on your phone and that just wasn't a possibility on iOS. So for those two groups of people, sure, this makes a lot more sense. I think the bigger thing is when you the the point that I made at the very start was not every Android Wear watch is going to look like the LG Watch Sport with every single feature included. I think that it's very likely that we're going to see something that is a little smaller, maybe doesn't have LTE. So now the watch bands can be removed. They decide to do NFC like under the screen or in a piece of plastic on the front or something. Um, so they give people flexibility on the bands. It's a little thinner because it's missing the radio and it has a smaller battery because it doesn't need to run LTE. You know, you can find something that's a little more manageable for a lot of people's wrists. So just because the watch sport includes all of this stuff and it's kind of large and, you know, kind of has too many features, I don't think that means that every Android Wear 2.0 watch is going to be gigantic. Okay, so let's talk about Android Pay on on uh, Android Wear. How exactly does it work? And with the watch sport, the NFC radio is in the band, which means that you if you change the band, you you lose support for Android Pay, right? Yeah, and it actually it it has these weird proprietary screws on the side that it's not even you know it's not designed to be removed unless you know the band gets broken or something and LG has to fix it. So that's that's part of that deal. And there are other ways to do NFC. Like I said, you could put a little bit of plastic in there, uh, you know, on the front of the case or under the screen or something like that. But as it stands, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's super easy. You just, um, by default, they program Android Pay to be launched with one of the two programmable hardware buttons. And as soon as it launches, um, it's ready to pay. And it just says hold the terminal and you just kind of put the outside part of your wrist onto the terminal. And it, you know, if you've ever used Android Pay on a phone, you know that you don't have to actually physically touch the terminal you know, once you get it up pretty close, you know, within an inch or so, it starts to uh, communicate and you get a big vibration on your wrist and then you just paid. You get a notification on the watch. It shows your purchase history and then you get a notification on your phone as well because the the purchases in your Android Pay history, all of the management of the cards and everything is all done through the Android Pay app on your phone still. So the most seamless experience is if you've already set it up on your phone, uh, going onto your watch, all you do is, you know, you just do a couple taps, you verify on your phone and you're, you're, you're done for setup. So it's a big deal for a lot of people. I mean, it's honestly, I didn't find it that difficult to just pull out my phone and tap, but Hey, I mean, it works. So you can use it if you don't have a phone nearby. Yep, yep. So you just have to do the initial setup with your phone. Uh, Obviously, there's no way to easily input all the information from your card and all that on the watch. So you do verify it on your phone. Um, This is just the same as the Gear S3 with Samsung Pay. You don't have to have an active connection. You also don't have to have LTE. So it doesn't need an active connection from your watch directly or from your phone 
because it uses a tokenized system where it has a set number of payment tokens preloaded for one-time payments. Um, obviously, at some point, it has to come back and sync up with the network to be able to know, you know when those transactions took place. But of course, the payment terminal on the other end is connected. So all you're doing is saying, you know, here's this payment token. Give me my stuff. So unless you go on like a shopping spree and purchase 8,000 or a bunch of different things at once, uh, you may eventually run out of tokens. But yeah, I know that the, the Gear S3 has something like you can make 10 payment attempts or something before it resyncs to a network. I would assume that Android Pay would be something something similar. So, Russell, let's talk about the complications API. This is something that Motorola did in a more proprietary way uh, with its latest version of Android Wear on the Moto 360. But now this is something that's Android Wear wide and developers are encouraged to build specific implementations for their app. So how does it work and, and what does it look like on the watch? So really it's just, you know, you have a couple of options when you go to set a, a watch face and some of these are, are, you know, they've been around for a while where you can pick a watch face uh, either from your phone, uh, from the Android Wear app or from the watch itself and just kind of paste it as uh, the watch face that you that you want. And now uh, for watch faces that support complications, there is a gear uh, underneath of that watch face that you can tap instead of tapping the face to, to set it as your primary watch face. And that gear uh, will highlight a bunch of different sections on the watch face that, that you have there where you can kind of plug in data from uh, the other apps that are on your phone or watch uh, to, to serve you information. So you can... Uh, you can have a, a complication that shows you, uh, you know, unread Gmail, uh, you know, emails or a step counter or, uh, you know, your your heart rate monitor or, uh, you know, calendar or anything like that. Uh, it, it'll it'll pull that information and have it sit on the watch face and just kind of integrate as though it were, you know, part of the watch face from the beginning. And this API is set up so that uh, the the watch face creators have a little bit of control over how those things look. So it's not just uh, you know the 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 kind of Gmail icon with a with a bubble above it. Uh, you know the the developers uh, have some some creative say over how these things look as they go onto the watch faces. And this is, of course, again one of those things where it's going to take a little time from both angles. The watch face maker has to update for complications, but the apps also have to update. To say we're going to handle we're we're going to hand you this much information for a complication as well. Are there different designs, or are they all uniform circles with the same amount of data uh, in them? So the design, the they're they're all uniform circles. I, I mean, right now, but the watch face determines what the data will look like. So, uh, for example, I have this places. Um, the face that's a digital watch face and has a configurable number of circles on it, but it displays the number of steps from Google Fit as an incomplete circle with a line filling it in and the number of steps. But if I go to this included watch face called G Swiss that has uh, a mechanical looking face, it displays steps as like a fuel gauge where it shows zero on the left and 10K on the right, and it shows a little, um, mechanical looking uh, arm that's you know somewhere in between and it says steps so that's the same complication and the same data source google fit on the watch 
but it's displayed in a way that fits with the design of the watch face. So the ultimately, the watch face developer decides how it looks. So you're never going to get any... So, for example, you know, the, a good example would be, you know, Google Fit, but calendar and maybe um, weather, the current weather. Your, your watch face can pull in, you know, that's just a simple number they're pulling in oh it's 30 god it's only 38 degrees in seattle right now so it pulls in that number from uh, i believe this is from the weather channel so all the weather channel says is it's an you know it just gives you a numeral it says it's 38 and the watch face could make that you know look like whatever it wants in that spot and in terms of the actual uh, watch faces is there significant difference between what you see on a current android wear device and what you have on say the watch sport uh, or are they backwards compatible uh, anything that's running android wear 2.0 will have these same default watch faces i mean obviously manufacturers as we've seen the last two years will include their own default watch face you know motorola was a you know, all about these customizable watch faces. Um, so they could include their own, but they're all, there's going to be this default set of, what is it, Russell? Like maybe eight watch faces, at least right now, that were included um, in Android Wear 2.0. Yeah, and, and we already know uh, several watch face creators that have, uh, that have already been pushing updates. Because remember, uh, you know, while Android Wear is, uh, you know, just kind of getting this update as a brand new thing, uh, you know, the, the finished product, the developer preview has been around for a really long time. Yeah. I mean, they, developers were originally told that they should be, you know, they should be ready for a final release at the end of 2016. So when this uh, when this got pushed back, they had extra time to work on it, too. Yeah, so I I don't anticipate it taking a whole lot of time, especially watch face creators have a history of being pretty fast to begin with. I mean, it's one of the most robust parts of uh, the Android Wear app ecosystem is these watch face packs for a dollar or two dollars. And Andrew, are you happy with the ones that are pre-installed on the LG Watch Sport? I mean, are they are they attractive? I'm very happy with it. I mean, I think that I can swipe here. Um there's this one that they you'll see in a lot of I think it's yeah it's the one that's shown on the box with the LG Watch Sport called Portions. This is obviously one they're very happy about that has all these different. Uh, so this is a good example of how you can see it in my review how uh, it's the lead image in the review uh, how complications can be shown in a different way. So this one cuts it up into big slices rather than just circles, and so it can display larger bits of information from the complication um, and it just puts the watch face in the middle and then there are uh, let's see there's three different mechanical looking ones i have a places one that's really neat that shows your current location in the background and then of course you can install any watch face that was designed for android wear it just won't have complications yet until you've set that up Or, or the developer has set that up sorry and let's talk a little bit about the other watch, uh, the uh, the watch style from LG. This is mm-hmm. something that you got to use a little bit during your briefing. And Florence Ion, who couldn't be here, she reviewed it. But this is a paired back and slightly cheaper model. Um, who's it for, and and what exactly is different from the Sport? Me. So it's I was me. actually, 
Is it for you, Russell? <laughs> it's for me. Okay, we'll, so come, I was actually we'll come back. Initially, very uh, excited about the the style because when I first saw it, I was like, "Holy cow! This is easily the smallest full functional uh, smartwatch I've ever seen." Um, it's only 10 millimeters thick at its thickest point, And of course it narrows down on the sides and it has interchangeable normal uh, watch lugs. It doesn't have any extra fancy features, which of course is a downer and that it doesn't have NFC. So you can't do Android pay, but it does the basics and it actually fits on people's wrists. What a crazy idea. It's thin enough to fit a shirt sleeve over. Not a problem. It doesn't get in the in the way in terms of, you know, you're not going to hit this thing on doorknobs and stuff like that, like the almost 15 millimeter thick uh, sport. And it doesn't sit up off of, you know, it, the bands can, you know, obviously because they can be removed, they can actually cinch down on your wrist properly so it doesn't do all this extra stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't even have a heart rate sensor. But for the people that want more of just a core experience and they're not going to, you know, it doesn't have extra hardware buttons for launching apps. It has a 1.2 inch screen. You know, you're not going to do as much with this, but that's fine for most people because most people were just using customizable watch faces and notifications. And this will absolutely handle any of that. It has the same processor as the LG Watch Sport does. And so it can handle all of this just fine. But it's actually going to fit on it. I mean, I mentioned in my review that, you know, probably two thirds of people can't use the LG Watch Sport. It's just physically is too big. So the style is for those people now. Of course, there's this middle ground where you wish that there was something just give me that third model that's in between and like has NFC and a heart rate sensor, but not LTE and GPS. And, you know, it's just kind of in that middle ground. But for most people, the style is going to fit them so well that they don't care that it's missing a couple of those features. And it's a hundred bucks cheaper. It's only 250. Is that true, Russell? I mean, is that are, the, are those two big omissions not really that important to you? Yeah, I mean, so for me personally, I uh, I don't really care about Android Pay on the watch. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a big Android Pay user to to begin with. It's just not as available in my area, so it's it's never really been a big deal. Um, but uh, I definitely don't care about uh, LTE uh, because I've always got my phone on me anyway. Uh, the the heart rate monitor I can totally do without because uh, un- unless it's a constant active heart rate monitor, which doesn't exist on smartwatches. Uh, then I'm I'm not interested anyway. I have a separate constant uh, heart rate monitor for when I'm doing stuff that you know requires that kind of fitness tracking. So it's uh, you know this is exactly what I want. This is a notification dumpster on my wrist that will occasionally run apps if I need it, and it's light enough and thin enough that I, I don't feel it on my wrist when I'm moving around all day long. Yeah, and I can say that the the watch sport which of course has a little more RAM because it has to do, um, you know, has to have some headroom for the LTE, but still it's, it's the same processor as the style. It's not exactly lightning quick to where you're going to be flicking through a bunch of different apps and, you know, multitasking and doing all this stuff anyway. So it's not like the, you know, it's not like when you bump up to the sport, you're getting a ton of extra performance or, you know, you're moving from a 1.2 inch to a 1.4 inch circular display. You don't have a ton of extra room to work. So 
it's not like there's going to be this huge jump between the two. So you're going to be happy with the style in terms of performance and usability. You're just not going to get the the extra hardware features. So then is it, I've heard this a lot. Is it overpriced at 249? Do you think that it's worth it? Uh, especially when there are devices like the Asus ZenWatch 3 that are coming in at 70, 80 bucks cheaper and will eventually get upgraded? Yeah, I think that the angle comparing to the, the ZenWatch is important because Asus has always anchored that bottom point where you're like, oh, it's a pretty good deal there. You sure it's not as nice looking or as well made as the other offerings, you know, especially when you talk about the ZenWatch 2, but it's a cheap offering. Yeah, I could easily see that the LG Watch style should be probably $199 simply because it's missing a few of those extra features. But at the same time, I it's a new device for a new era of Android Wear. You're going to pay a little bit of a premium. I think that the when you look at the LG Watch Sport, with all of its features and everything is 349 which that matches the Gear S3 I believe it's right in there with the app, you know the lower end of the new Apple Watch and it's made you of know, stainless these, steel not aluminum yes and of course the the watch style is also made out of 316L stainless steel uh you know different style obviously but you know these are pretty reasonably priced compared to the averages of the market. Sure, the the ZenWatch 3 is going to be cheaper. Well, but here's the thing. The ZenWatch 3 is still using a magnetic pogo charger. And both of these watches are using wireless inductive chargers with really nice docks. Yep. Yeah. And the style in particular has a, a nice small charging puck that's not unlike the Apple Watches where it's just this little circle that magnetically clips onto the back. And... You know, they're just nicely designed. I mean, the the watch style has three different color options, like a light gray, a deep titanium, and a rose gold. You can swap whatever bands you want on it. Sure, you pay a little bit extra because it's the f- you know one of the first Android Wear 2.0 watches, and it's got some new stuff in it. If you're someone that's... I mean, I talked about this in the sport specifically, but it applies to the style that if... You don't see the value in spending $250 on a on an Android Wear watch. The problem is not the price. The problem is you just don't see the value in a smartwatch at pretty much any price when you're talking about a full price or a full featured watch. So it's kind of all relative. You have to, if you're coming at it from an angle of you see the value in a smartwatch, you're probably not complaining about $250 for the style. Well, and and more than that, if you are not sure that you're interested in choosing between either of these watches and and you're not sure that the older watches with the older processors are going to keep you going for as long as you want. Wait a couple of minutes because there are so many watches that have been announced or teased within the last couple of weeks that are coming out running Android Wear 2.0 over the next couple of months. I think we're up to five manufacturers. Uh, Verizon just announced one today. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah, so I mean, there's there are so many Android Wear watches that are going to be coming out, uh, you know, over the course of uh, you know, really before the summer. Uh, so if if you know these two watches aren't exactly what you're looking for, wait a minute, because because there's going to be some there, there's going to be a lot of choice coming here in a little bit. Yeah, that was something that Alex said uh, when the reviews went up today. 
he doesn't want either of these. He wants something right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he wants a smaller watch that's a little bit bigger than the style, but not as big as the sport that does Android pay, but doesn't necessarily need a heart rate sensor. And maybe it is $299, not $349 or $249. So, you know, obviously that diversity is what makes Android Wear so interesting. But these watches are just the beginning of what is sure to be a huge season for Android Wear. Just like back in 2014, there was an influx of hardware that then abated after a few months. And I mean, even look at the stuff that came out at the end of 2015 and the start of 2016. We got all of these um, fashion brands or traditional watch brands on board with this. And because Android Wear uh, in 2.0 is the same as previous, where you know, any manufacturer could take it. The the internal hardware is very uh, locked down and, um, you know, it's super easy to say, okay, well, I know I just need half a gig of RAM, four gigs of storage and a Snapdragon Wear 2100 processor. We can source those components and then build this cool thing around it. I, I mean, I've been saying that there's probably going to be a dozen different Android Wear watches to choose from by the end of the year. So you don't have to jump at, the sport or the style and i i totally get it i the the sport is a little too big for a lot of people uh it'll appeal to some people that like the extra features and the style is a little too basic you know maybe for the money for some people but you know that's you got to think that these are just part of a, a wider range i mean it's already nice that we're seeing the fact that we're seeing them partner google partner with lg to launch two watches at once to kind of show the two ends of the spectrum uh makes makes you hopeful that there's going to be a wide spectrum you know throughout the year from other manufacturers all right i gotta i gotta take a couple minutes of everyone's time because there are two things that that i'm not totally thrilled about with android wear 2.0 and i don't want to skip over them Go for it. The first is assistant on the wrist is weird. Yes, let's talk about that. Um, Agreed. Go it's, on. it's weird for uh, for two important reasons. The first is it's it's the same as it has the same feature set as assistant on your phone, which is still not exactly the same as assistant on Google Home. So there are commands that you can give to Google Home that you cannot give to the phone and the watch. They just they just don't do them yet, like casting to the television or something like that. Um, you know, it, it, it's this weird disparity that it's just in assistant right now, but it's also on on the watch. But the the second really more important thing, uh, and this I don't know, maybe this is just the the Huawei watch. I don't I don't think it is though. It's not as fast. Uh, the the voice activation, you know, when you say OK Google. Uh, you know, my phone jumps up immediately and, and is ready to receive that command. And if I start speaking, then, uh, you know, the the watch uh, isn't always available uh, to, to, you know, receive that by the time uh, that I've started speaking. And so it makes the whole listening on another device thing really awkward between the phone and the watch. Uh, and the, the solution to that in some cases is to just press and hold the button on the the watch itself to to launch assistant uh but but even then like you press and hold that button and and you can get a solid you know single second count uh between when you you know when you feel the vibration on your wrist from acknowledging that assistant command and when assistant actually starts listening yes so i will tell you that no it's not just the huawei watch the watch sport is also not the quickest and you you know it has a newer processor um 
there is that delay. I mean, obviously, we know the phone is going to be faster, but it's considerably faster to pick up. And so it does create that problem where most of the time, I'm not even sure if this is built in, but it, it doesn't recognize the answering on another device um, situation because the watch is so far behind that my phone has already answered the question by the time my watch has registered the question. So it can't even communicate and say, oh, I'm trying to answer on the watch. So obviously this is a problem more so for people, you know, the very, very, very few people that have a Pixel. Uh, Most people, you have to remember, do not have Google Assistant, and so this will be their only Google Assistant. Um, Don't forget Halo. <laughs> well, you can't, you can't, you can't just say, you know, okay, trigger phrase and get Allo to to wake up. No, so I know. I'm just teasing Allo. This, this, yeah, Allo's the worst. But there's so there is that angle. Like that's cool. It it it's a thing that you couldn't have, but now you have it because it's on your wrist. But it's quite slow and. The recognition is great for me. It can recognize exactly what I say. It doesn't fumble on the words. It's just how long it takes. And then it's obviously processing that over Bluetooth back to your phone, up to the network, back down, back over Bluetooth. Uh, Of course, slow on, even slow directly on LTE on the watch. And it's processed by this low low power processor. And it's kind of like... I could just take out my watch or, you know, take out my phone and type into Google faster than I could do this. Uh, Sure, there's that time that your hands are full or you don't want to take your phone out or your phone's across the room and something, something you're on a, you're on a, you know, you're locked in and you need to just lift up your wrist and talk to it. But then the information you get on the other end is, you know, it has to be simple. Sure, it can answer the same things that a Pixel can, but it doesn't have the room to display it. So you can say, you know, what's the weather like here? And it'll do the continuing conversation where you can say, what about this weekend? Or you can say, how long does it get there? To Does it take to get there? And it'll launch Google Maps. It can do that stuff, but it's so limited because you're on a one point, smaller than a 1.5 inch screen in any case, you're you're kind of not getting a big payoff at the end of this long waiting period of seconds to answer the question, seconds to pull back up the results. And yeah, it sounds lame, but you're talking about a 10 second interaction. And it's just like, why am I waiting this long when I could, you know, I have all of these other ways to get this information. Yeah. I feel like the only thing that I would use assistant on the watch for is reminders. So like if I was in the middle of doing something and, you know, like I had something in one of my hands and so reaching for my phone would be inconvenient, I would, you know, press and hold the button on the watch and and say, you know, remind me about this thing uh, and, and have that, you know, be saved. And, you know, as long as I knew that I could say that and then put my wrist down and not have to stare at the watch until it confirmed. Well, yeah, there's that part. Or also it could be, you know. Like Google Home still can't do reminders. So. Yeah, so it's, you know, if if this, you know, I think Assistant is going to be different for everyone, uh, obviously. And like you said, some people are, this is the only way that they have Google Assistant. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 not it's not the same experience. Uh, and, and that, I think, is concerning because that, that was Google's whole deal. Uh, when Andrew and I were sitting listening to you know the the official unveil for Assistant, 
was that, you know, assistant was going to be the same everywhere and that the long-term goal was to create, you know, individual Googles for everyone where it was, you know, kind of helping you out personally by taking your data and, and leveraging it to make you uh, make it feel better. Uh, and, and this just doesn't feel like a step forward yet. Yeah. I mean, it, the analogy for me is it kind of feels like trying to run Android Wear 1.4 on an original Moto 360. Yeah. Where you're kind of like, man, I can tell that this software is cool and it's nicer and newer than what I have, but this hardware is so horrible that it just cannot keep up with it. And that's what it feels like on Google Assistant. I know that they can do, like I said, the the recognition of the words and the answers are good. I think my biggest problem is the back end part of it where it's missing integrations partially because, you know, you have to adjust it for the size of the screen, but also partially because it's just not quite ready yet overall. You know, I mean, we were talking about you know, you can't say, call me an Uber, you know, even though they say that you can, you can't say, cast this to my, you know, living room Chromecast, even though I, we know we can on other devices. And uh, they said that this will be coming, but it's like, you know, it's all like, it's coming in the future, but that doesn't really bode very well because the stuff that you're looking at now isn't fast enough on this hardware. So are we really thinking we have to wait a whole nother generation of hardware just to, you know, keep up with what assistant should be able to do now? It's, it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. I mean, to be fair though, Google now uh, wasn't very fast on phones when it was first launched and it's significantly improved both from the speed at which Google processes things in the cloud, but also just because of the availability of local hardware like uh, always you know low power always listening microphones and faster processors and and dedicated um dedicated processors that actually offload the main listening functionality uh from the SOC so i i think it's it's a good start what i what i also find really interesting about the presence of assistant on all android wear 2.0 devices is that along with the rumors and i there's still rumors that the, that assistant will be integrated into uh, L- the LG G6, plus the fact that it's now on the NVIDIA Shield Android TV uh, with a, mm-hmm. an update in the, to come. What that means to me is that Google seems to be opening up assistant to more places. It recognizes that the Pixel was not the endpoint for that platform and that it was probably just the, the best place for it to start on phones. But it looks to me like Google is going to open up Assistant to as many phones, tablets, watches, set-top boxes, and everything else that can accept it because it needs to compete with uh, Echo. And, and you know, wearables are... That's one thing that uh, Amazon just doesn't have. It, it, it's, on, it's on phones, I guess, through apps, but Amazon Echo just is not on any wearables, and it, and it won't be, I think, for a while. Oh, I totally get the grand the grand scheme vision. And I do think that Android, uh, sorry, Google assistant has a place on Android Wear. Um, it's just unfortunate that what you're looking at right now is there are major power and battery concerns on something this small and you just can't have a powerful enough processor or have it awake and listening all the time and ready, you know, and network 
traffic over Bluetooth or Wi-Fi or whatever is very expensive for the battery. So it, it's it's tough to strike that balance. I mean, if Google Assistant was lightning quick, but your battery on your watch died in four hours, nobody would be happy with that situation either. So, I mean, I there are just some implementation problems that are frustrating. Not, you know, the whole idea is is not bad from my perspective. It's just the the implementation is is frustrating right now. And I'm sure that just future versions of Android Wear on the same hardware can speed up this process. Um, I just don't know how much of it is dependent on the hardware versus the software. Let's talk a little bit about battery. How did you find Let's. the battery on the LG Watch Sport? And Russell, uh, follow-up question, did you notice that Android Wear 2.0 uh, made battery life better or worse? So we'll start with you, Andrew. So uh, unfortunately, LTE still just eats your battery pretty pretty badly. Uh, just like the Gear S3, uh, it basically cuts your battery in half. If you're going to keep, yeah, half, uh, 50%, <laughs> if you keep LTE turned on on your watch, even if, obviously, it prefers Bluetooth, and if it can't have Bluetooth, it prefers Wi-Fi, but if it can't have either one, it goes to LTE. But the problem is that, of course, LTE has to be active because it's waiting for phone calls, and it's waiting for text messages, and it's waiting for um you to be ready as soon as Wi-Fi and Bluetooth cut out. So that just sitting there idling meant that most days I couldn't make it through a full day on the sport. So after the first few days, I turned off LTE and now I was looking at ending the day with at least 30% battery. So it was a considerable difference in battery life and I, I didn't really harp on it too much in the review because so many people are going to be experiencing the sport without LTE. You know, they're going to buy it from the Google store or they're going to buy it from AT&T, try it out with LTE for a month and then cancel. Um, so many people are going to use it without LTE that the, the experience with battery life is fine as long as you don't use it. I mean, even if you use GPS to track uh, runs or walks or whatever, or, you know, use Google Maps or Foursquare, that's not a problem because that's only for a couple minutes here and there. It's not this constant drain uh, that LTE puts on it. So I'm happy with battery. You know, the the funny thing is that if you took LTE out and didn't have to try to budget battery capacity for using LTE, you could scale back the battery in this thing, you know, probably... 25 percent or so and maybe make it a little smaller but you know there there are a lot of different trade-offs to that yeah i mean that's a pretty massive battery size for a smartwatch as yeah well, like 430 is is big 430 is big i i need to double check what the gear s3 is but um if 430 is big considering that the lg watch style is 240 did you use the gear s3 with lte Yes, I did. And did you find battery life to be around the same? Uh, the Gear S3 could easily do a full day on LTE. Uh, so in terms of LTE straight up usage, uh, the Gear S3 could do longer. Um, but then again, the without LTE, it also could do easily two, two full days. 
So, you know, there was a similar drop off in battery life on the Gear S3. Uh, the Gear S3 has just always provided the Gear S2 as well has just they've always provided longer battery life than Android Wear. Uh, LTE hits them both. But I mean, so if you're somebody that's a diehard you know, LTE user on your watch and you're you need the full day at the same time, uh, I don't think the sport can offer it to you. What about you, Russell? Did you have you found battery life to be decent on the Hua watch, the watch? Yeah. So, you know, watch. when I uh, when I originally started using this, the, the original review that I wrote for uh, the Huawei watch, I was impressed that uh, I could legitimately get two days out of the battery on this thing. I was at, you know, 52 percent at the end of uh, an, an average day. And I would put it into theater mode before I went to bed so that when I woke up, uh, it was, you know, it was at either 51 or 50%. And that allowed me to get through the entire next day uh, without needing to, to put it on the charger. Uh, and really what I'm seeing right now is uh, the, the same thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm at, uh, at or around 50% at the end of my day, which is, you know, starting at, uh, you know, 7am and, and ending at, uh, at 10pm uh, on, on most days. And so, uh, you know, it's, I, I get 50% a day, uh, you know, basically the same out of this thing right now. The only time uh, where I ran into problems because I am using a developer preview on this particular watch, uh, it would crash occasionally, you know, the reboot to, to start, uh, which would consume more battery than usual. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it has to be clear that you're using a non-final build and it, potentially Andrew is also using a non-final build. I mean, it could yeah. get an update in the next few days. Of course, we we received these watches from Google. It wasn't explicit. I mean, it wasn't explicitly stated that the firmware itself was uh, in pre-release, but a lot of the apps on the watch were were pre-release, and I they were beta versions of third-party apps and things like that that could have cut into it. And I will also say that I used um, always on watch faces one hundred percent of the time because. I don't want to watch that ever, you know, I glance down at it and there's nothing Seriously, on it. Why so wouldn't you? I, I mean, <laughs> so I, in the, the always on watch faces look great on this uh, display as well, especially with automatic brightness. It's, it's a real treat, but I, I don't use the watch heavily. So in the, you know, the, the battery life scenario, sure. Probably could be a little longer if you tweak things. I explained to somebody, you know, if you need the LTE and you turned off a lot of features and didn't install many apps and things like that, you could probably get through a full day. But again, yeah, that's kind of not worth it for me. So I le- left all this stuff on and I was totally happy. Just at the end of the day, I still had 20 something, 30 something percent battery life and just toss it on the charger on the nightstand. I mean, what's interesting to me is that Android Wear 2.0 was delayed by a bit. I mean, a couple months at the very least. And we don't know why. I mean, it could have been to coincide with the hardware and LG just didn't have the hardware finished or vice versa, that LG had the hardware finished last fall, but Android Wear 2.0 just wasn't good enough. It wasn't fast enough. It didn't have good enough battery life. I mean, is there is there a sense here that you think that Google has nailed it um, or is there still a lot that the company has to do to make Android Wear a universally appealing smartwatch OS? I mean, from my perspective, the, I mean, I ended up with the, the watch sport review kind of giving a little bit of a conclusion on Android Wear as a whole as well. And I, I think that this is the 
this is far and away better than 1.4 in in that it nailed the core experiences in terms of the watch faces with complications and the you know quick replies and notifications and things like that if somebody especially if somebody hadn't used a previous version of android wear and just picked this up the core experience is really good it's still frustrating. It's it's not perfect, it, as Russell has said many times, and I'm sure we'll say once I'm done with my little spiel here. All of this extra stuff to kind of try to fill in the gaps and give the power users more features, and this installing all these apps and doing this fitness stuff is maybe a bit over its head. But the core experience of Android Wear is really nice, and I'm going to continue to wear this. Uh, just as like Russell said, as a notification dumpster and with really nice watch faces that I can configure on pretty nice hardware and a nice screen that has ambient brightness and good colors and viewing angles. So is that enough to get people to, you know, buy watches because it, it nails the basics? I don't know. We don't really know what the, uh, I guess what the equation is to get people to buy smartwatches in general, but this gets a lot closer than other Android Wear watches that I wore for a week and then just took them off and was like, yeah, whatever. So I, I, you know, and this is despite the fact that I think that the sport is too thick and heavy as well. So that really says something about, I, I think that the Android Wear 2.0 is, uh, is really nice. Russell. Yeah. I mean, but my only other really, uh, you know, my only, real other complaint i guess with uh the way that android wear is set up right now um we haven't really talked about it here but we've talked about it on other podcasts when uh when google first unveiled it uh we have we have keyboards on android wear now <laughs> yes um we have we have a, a keyboard swiping keyboard swipey keyboard and we have a, a drawing section for emoji where you can you can draw an emoji and it will it will pick the one that is closest to whatever you've drawn. And, uh, you know, when, when this first came out, I, I was really one of the first to very quickly put this down, um, just because the teeny tiny keyboard on your wrist is really just sad. Um, and, and a terrible way to communicate with people. You really just shouldn't ever bother with this, but, uh, it, it actually works. Uh, I was really surprised every time that I went to use it. Now I never used it for more than, uh, a couple of letters, uh, you know, a quick LOL or, or absolutely, uh, you know, a, a, a brief sentence or something like that. Um, certainly never more than a, than a whole sentence. Um, but it worked every time, you know, it was, it was accurate every single time. And that really surprised me. Uh, and, and at the same time, the emoji drawing thing fails every single time, no matter what I <laughs> draw. Just, in it. There are so many emoji. Right. And it's so, I mean, good. I mean, sure, you can draw the smiley face or the little poop emoji, but good luck drawing anything more intricate yeah. than that with, you know, the tip of your finger on a 1.2 really, inch screen. I really wanted a GIF of uh, either me or Flo drawing the eggplant to go into the <laughs> review. And I wasn't going to tell anybody until it was there, but I couldn't, I couldn't make it happen. I couldn't, like every time I tried to draw it. Uh. Uh, you know, it would it would divert me to something else, uh, and and so I didn't even bother asking Flo. But yeah, it's the the emoji drawing thing fails so frequently, uh, and and it, it's 
the thing that it is good for, you can draw something, and when once you get done drawing, it, it basically just gives you a list that you can scroll through. And so yeah. you can usually get close enough that what you want is one or two scrolls away. Uh, but it's it's still nowhere near like, hey, this is clearly what you drew. Like, even with a smiley face, uh, sometimes what I, I would, would get other stuff. <laughs> like, I, I, I would say that no single uh, so no single emoji is worth that amount of your yeah. time to insert in a message when you could tap the microphone button and get really good google voice dictation voice to text that would read out and you could get across two sentences yeah, so in, in a few seconds you never have to use either of these things so there are no situations you know anytime you go to to give a response to someone you still have google's quick replies uh, that you can you can swipe through if you want to just mm-hmm. tap a, a quick reply or the microphone uh, is is always available right there. Uh, but you know now you have two other options because there you know there there were enough people that said to Google, hey, we'd really like a keyboard on this thing, and Google didn't laugh at any of them, which I thought was really brave. Um, and so they, uh, they there's there's this keyboard now, and and there's the ability to install other keyboards should other companies decide to to make keyboards at a later date. There's a setting that lets you. Uh, you know, switch mm-hmm. out and choose whichever keyboard you want, um, which which brings to mind some of the we saw way back when Android Wear first came out, uh, companies trying to design keyboards where like the the alphabet was around the bezel of the watch, and so you just yeah. kind of like pointed in those areas, uh, and and those seemed like really terrible ideas at the time, but if you add in like a scroll wheel, uh, you know that that has the potential to be kind of less terrible. Uh, in in certain situations, and this will be the point where I say that it's great for uh, areas that don't have a Roman character that's, set. Yeah, that's also and true. they can they can draw, you know, uh, Japanese characters, Korean characters, you know, whatever. And you know, you could say two sentences worth of stuff with a handful of characters that you know would be in a massive keyboard. That kind of stuff is useful. Um, but even then, you're still talking about writing with the tip of your finger on a little watch. And it's like, well, most of these people are not even going to have an LTE connected watch. So now you're talking about your phone is right there, man. Just take out your phone and use that. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds like a lot of the, uh, the, the, the negative press around smartwatches in general is just take out your watch, man. It's better. It's faster. Blah, blah, blah. Right. I think that that's why I didn't really focus on, in my review, I didn't focus on all of this extra stuff that it's really not that great at um, because people are going to find that out pretty quickly. They're going to say, wow, I'm really doesn't make sense for me to keep installing all of these apps and it really doesn't make sense for me to type or draw emoji to send back to people in Hangouts and it doesn't make sense to you know, do all this different stuff. But you know what really works well? I can choose this watch face and I can choose what complications go into it. And when I get an email, it's one tap to archive it. And when I get a Hangouts message, I can look at it and without a tap, see what the gist of the message is. Like That kind of stuff is absolutely nailed in Android Wear 2.0. So I, I tried to focus on that. Android Wear 2.0, a damn fine notification dumpster. <laughs> well, we missed see, that opportunity. Is, <laughs> when you use the word dumpster, it has a ne- people, negative yeah, con- I get, some connotation. Some people get really mad at me when I say that, but really, like that's what it is. Oh, I I completely missed this. I can't believe I didn't say this. 
the single greatest thing to come to Android Wear uh, is a clear all button for your notifications. Yes. Oh my god. At the very How did bottom. I not know about this? You you go all the way to the bottom uh and there's a clear all button and you tap it's actually in the review video that Android uh that Andrew did. Uh you 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 tap the clear all button if you just like if you looked at your phone already or or something and you know, you know that there's nothing of value there or you you've kind of glanced through uh instead of, you know, having to triage every single notification, you can just clear all. And for people like me, they get 9 billion notifications an hour. Uh, because I have a lot of problems and don't know how to filter notifications on my phone like an adult. Uh, this is great. This is a really great thing to have. Well, um, so now how much would you pay? Two ninety nine. Yeah, right in the middle. Yeah, I, I think you know there's a lot of potential. It'll be interesting. You know, some people don't want apps. They don't care about apps. But I think what will be interesting is whether developers do start building decent experiences and trying to adapt their apps for the watch in a way that is meaningful and not just a smaller version of what you currently use on your phone. And, you know, Apple didn't do a great job convincing developers to build specialized experiences for the watch. And we're on watchOS 3 and we're still kind of not using apps. And the Gear S3 still doesn't have a lot of great apps, but somehow Google thinks that, okay, by having an app store on the watch, it'll make it easier and and, and better for people if they want to use them. So this is the beginning of a very long conversation, and I'm excited to talk about it, especially since, as we know, there are going to be a lot of Android Wear launches this year. And as Andrew hinted earlier, there will be a lot from mainstream companies. You'll see a lot of develop a lot of companies like Fossil and Tagger and um, I don't know who else makes watches. Uh, New Balance. There are Nixon. going to be some seriously, uh, you know, and because the technology is getting smaller and 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 more efficient, you'll get watches that actually look more like watches. So that should be exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think that. That is the important takeaway. When I when I went and talked to uh, Google about Android Wear 2.0 ahead of this release, um, they said, hey, look, th- you may not think about it, but look at this table with 30 or whatever Android Wear watches that have been released in the last two years that are all going to run Android Wear 2.0. Um, this is just an example of how diverse things can get. I mean, you look at the Google store today and they're even just on the Google store, which is not, you know, definitely not the most full featured store in terms of all your options has like five different manufacturers selling watches and, you know, they're more classic watchmaking companies as well. So they're going to be better looking. They're more fitness focused. They're style focused. You can swap out the bands on them. There's so many different choices here. So I don't want people to get too caught up in saying, oh, well, the watch sport is not really my thing. So let's forget about Android Wear 2.0. Well, I, I think that's where we can leave it today. We'll come back mm-hmm. to this next week. Uh, I know that we promised a 
Kevin Mickle exciting last week. That didn't happen, obviously, because he's off doing BlackBerry and we're off doing watches. But maybe next week, no promises, I guess, but maybe he'll find some time to join us. Oh, what happens the meantime, if BlackBerry Mobile makes a watch? Ooh. Oh, my gosh. What would that even look like? <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna have know. nightmares now. Would I, I have I, a hardware? I can't keyboard. believe I did that to myself. <laughs> I'm gonna have nightmares now. Well, let's uh, let, let's let us ruminate on that. Um, in the meantime, Andrew, thank you so much. Where can people find you on the internet if they want to? You can find me at Andrew, not Android, at Andrew <laughs> Martinick on on Twitter. I should. I gotta figure this out. But also, I'm answering your LG Watch Sport questions in the android central forums uh if you have any specific questions i mean my review already pushed over three thousand words so um i had to cut it off somewhere so if you have a specific question find me in in the forums in the android wear sub forum and uh russell you also pushed three thousand words uh where can people find you uh, I'm usually around uh, Android Central or VR Heads or at Russell Holly on just about everything. Awesome. Well, my name is Daniel Bader, at Journey Dan, at everything. And uh, we will be back next week with another episode. Um, Andrew, you won't be here. You will be... I will not. You will be on... Uh, are you allowed to say or are you not allowed to say? Uh, I'm not sure. I will be on assignment. I, I can tell you that. And yeah. then and then we come back and then we go. We'll have to figure out because we go to MWC the week after. It's coming, coming uh, fast. It's coming fast. Yeah. About time. two and a half weeks. Andrew's going to be undercover. He's uh, it's very serious. <laughs> I got a trench coat and a and a funky hat. I don't know hat. who thought mm. that the tallest of us would be the guy to hide in the crowd, but <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we'll see you then. But uh, in the meantime, thanks for listening. And uh, we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye.